There were two more murders 15 miles when away. When arrived, they found the telephone murder. Joseph Nasso, despite being described as a loner and odd, was by all accounts a seemingly normal guy. He was ex-military, married for 18 years, maintained a good relationship with his wife post-divorce, and after his son was diagnosed with schizophrenia, spent years caring for him. If it wasn't for his sticky fingers and an unannounced parole visit in 2010, no one would have known about his connection to a decades-old cold case. And on January 10th, 1977, Joseph Nasso claimed his first victim. So, if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. After a few run-ins with the law for shoplifting, Joseph Nasso was put on probation after stealing from a grocery store in 2009. But, if you asked about Joseph other than some sticky fingers and some weird vibes, he seemed like an okay guy. Then his parole officer made an unannounced home visit on April 13th, 2010, that would change everything. The officer noticed an ad for a gun and several rounds of ammunition in Nasso's ashtray. This was a clear violation of his parole, which gave police free reign to check the rest of the residents while he was arrested for violating his parole and sent away for a year in Nevada jail. What they found was more than $152,000 in cash, weapons, women's clothing, newspaper clippings, mannequin legs, dolls, a coin collection, knives, and about 5,000 photographs and a journal that contained some gruesome details. The journal, which police called a rate journal initially, and newspaper clippings referring to the deaths of Pamela Parsons and Tracy Tafoya had officers convinced they stumbled upon something much bigger than a parole violation. The journal alone had entry after entry describing how Joseph Nassa would stalk, approach, and later rape a woman after offering her a ride home. And the photos? Thousands of women in lingerie, many of which looked dead or unconscious, and many dating all the way back to the 60s. They handed everything over to investigators who were able to connect him to a handful of unsolved cases dating back to the 70s. Now, let's go back to January 10th, 1977, when Roxanne Rogash was found dead near Fairfax, California. She was found face down with her pantyhose wrapped around her neck and feet bound. She was just 18 years old. Police, who had reason to believe Roxanne was a sex worker, despite her family's assertion that she was not, assumed the young girl was killed by her pimp or possibly an angry John. Those leads didn't pan out and the case went cold. Until a year later and 30 miles away, 22-year-old Carmen Cologne was found in Port Costa. The body of Sharia Lafern Johnson Patton, 56, washed ashore near a naval base in Tiburon, California in 1981. This case, while different from the other girls, did have a prime suspect, Joseph Nasso. He managed the residence where the woman lived and also took photos of her, but was never formally charged for the murder. At least not for many years. There was a break in the killings for 15 years. Then, in 1992, a Bob Dylan groupie named Sarah Dylan 
born Renee Shapiro, disappeared after a concert in San Francisco. In 1993, the body of Pamela Parsons and Tracy Trafoya, whose newspaper clippings were found in Nassau's home years later, were found in Yuba County. Tracy, who had been drugged, raped, and strangled, was tossed in the Marysville Cemetery for a week before her body was found. And now, police had the man who may have perpetrated all of these cold cases sitting in a Nevada jail cell because of some stray bullets. On the day he was released from the Nevada jail, police arrested him on murder charges and he was transferred to Marin County, where Roxanne Rogash was killed. His DNA was taken and matched to that in the case of Carmen Cologne. And the DNA found on the pantyhose left on Roxanne was matched to Judith Nasso, Joseph's wife at the time. His logs were matched with other victims and the police were certain that this was their man. On June 18, 2013, Joseph Nasso was tried for the murder of Roxanne Rogash, Carmen Cologne, Pamela Parsons, and Tracy Tafoya. Joseph acted as his own attorney and claimed that he hired sex workers for photography purposes and his photos were simply offbeat art. And as for the rape journal that was read in graphic detail during the trial, simply works of fiction or him having, quote, brain sex with these women. On August 20th, after eight hours of deliberation, he was convicted. Joseph Nasso is believed to be responsible for as many as six more murders in various locations based on the information found in his home. This includes murders in Cleveland, Kansas City, Buffalo, Rochester, Wichita, Berkeley, and even London. But I'll leave you with one last bit of coincidental information. The women whose murders put Joseph Nasso away, take a second listen to their names. Roxanne Rogash, Carmen Cologne, Pamela Parsons, and Tracy Tafoya. All of them had double initials. Sound familiar? That's because in the mid-70s in Rochester, New York, three preteens were killed. Michelle Mainza, Wanda Wachowicz, and Carmen Cologne. They were called the Alphabet Murders. Could these also be the work of Joseph Nasso? While there was the glaring similarities... These girls were much younger and didn't match the same victim profile as those in the California killing. But when his arrest became public, many thought they would finally solve the New York alphabet murders. Joseph Nasso even lived in Rochester for a bit in the 70s and visited relatives around the time of the murders. However, the DNA wasn't a match and the alphabet murders remain cold. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to hear what terrible thing happened on January 11th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe. Thank you for listening to Morning Cup of Murder. This is a daily podcast that tells you what happened on this day in true crime history. In short, easy to listen to episodes that you can finish on your commute or while you enjoy your morning coffee. So make sure you check back every morning. My name is Karina. I am the creator and host. You can find Morning Cup of Murder on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I have also set up a Patreon where you can donate a small monthly contribution to the podcast. 
All those links are in the episode description. Thank you again and have a wonderful day.